Hello and welcome to Reimagining Education, a podcast from Michigan International Prep School. I'm Eric Van Houten. And I'm Roy Silvis. And today we're going to continue talking about effective grading practices, um, the topic today being zeros. So Roy, again, I'm going to let you run with it. Why are we talking about zeros? And then we can get into it. Yeah. Well, zeros are used in grading practices for a couple different reasons. One of course, it can be just poor performance. A student attempts an assignment and they didn't do anything academically that shows. So you think it's zero, right? So that's possible, right? You do an assignment, no academic evidence, it's a zero. That's one way it's used. The other is student fails to do the assignment. So they get a zero, didn't turn it in for, for that. There's also the use of zeros for behavioral infractions, such as cheating. Oh, you cheated, you get a zero. Okay, so that's generally how they're used. The problem with using zeros is it distorts what the grade means in regards to academic achievement. So if a, if a student is going to take a course and meet a level of standards, uh, our standards outline the what of a, any particular course, K-12, we give them a mark of some sort, an indicator of what they've achieved academically. Now, traditionally, that's been part of the 100% grading scale, which we'll talk about um, in another podcast. And that grade that they get should be an indicator of how well they met the standards. Mm. You know, what is their academic achievement? The problem is when you start to put in zeros, you distort that. Mm. So a, a student could go through a course and do really well in demonstrating an understanding of, say, say, a chemistry class. Does really well demonstrating in other areas, but maybe forgets to do an assignment. Uh, maybe has something going on, doesn't turn something in on time, and has a couple of zeros thrown in there. Well... Academically, though, fully understands the chemistry content and the skills associated with that course, but their grade is now distorted because they didn't turn in assignments. And it's assuming, you know, what are we assuming? Well, you didn't do it because you weren't responsible. You didn't do it because you didn't want to do it. Did you not do it because you didn't understand? We, we don't know why. Mm. It's a zero because you didn't turn it in on time. So the related piece to this is that zeros can be used in some cases to modify behavior. Well, you didn't turn in, you, you got a zero. Or if you don't turn it in, you're getting a zero. So you're trying to modify a student's behavior by threatening them the, with a zero. So the biggest problem is it distorts what the indicator says about their academic achievement. And number two, if you get one or two zeros, it can really make it very difficult to recover. And so normally we see it used in a 100% scale. And we'll have more conversation about this 100% scale, but when you're dealing with that scale, that the first chunk of that scale is you know, 60%, so 60 and below is a E or you know, failure, but then the other levels are only 10%, mm. then a couple of zeros can knock you way down. And if you're below, you have much more to recover in that bottom part of the grading scale. So you have that working against you as well. Yeah, you think if they're evenly weighted and you get 100% on something in a zero, you still got a failing grade. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what's related to this is then what do you do? Well, for the behavior part, that 
should be graded separately or students should be evaluated separately if you're really teaching behavior. They shouldn't be penalized. So that's one. You separate that out. We'll talk about that in another podcast. The other, the other option to deal with it, two things. One, it's an I for incomplete or insufficient data. Mm. So it doesn't go as part of the calculation, but this also impacts the idea of how we present a student's performance to parents and to the community. Right now, it's A's, B's, and we translate it into a 4.0 or sometimes a 5.0 scale, right? There's that translation. So there's that issue to overcome, but within a particular classroom and dealing with parents, you could use that I and say it's incomplete, I don't have enough. So whatever happened with the student in that particular assignment, it's a matter of the next best thing to do is do the assignment. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reason was, because there could be multiple reasons as to why the in in I would say the old school way would give a zero, but now if a teacher wants to have better grading practices that are effective, give that eye and work with the parent and the child to say, let's get this assignment done and find out what is getting in the way. Yeah. Is it an understanding? Do I need to modify the assignment? Do I need to unpack the complexity of it? Uh, the teacher should, that's kind of thing. That's what teaching is all about is working with the students because the idea is that assignment should be all about one practice so the student knows where they are in understanding the content and practicing the skills. And that grade that they get would be an indicator of where they are at that time. Um and it, it might be something else. It might be something tragic happened in the child's life and couldn't get to schoolwork and maybe missed a few days. Should that distort their academic achievement because they had things beyond their control happen in their life, you see? Yeah. So it's really about using an I and then having them complete the assignment anyway and then separating out you know, teaching behavior and providing a different grade because there are educators who are adamant, and I agree with them, that we are teaching a set of behaviors with students, but we can't put that inside the academic grade. So, the, so stop me if this is um, too far or too much to talk about without preparing a little bit alternatives, but um, what then happens at the end of the year? when there are ungraded or graded assignments that are incomplete, right? Do we keep eyes, let's say, because other students will have completed the six assignments that are graded, and this one student completes five. What happens to that one assignment he didn't complete? There are multiple things, as we've talked about in this series, that impact it. So if we say the parameters are 100% scale and we're in a system that hasn't adjusted to effective grading practices to deal with all these issues, then a teacher's left to turning them into zeros if they're treating all the students the same in regards to that. And that's why it's still the default, because we haven't made those other adjustments. Correct, yes. Now, in my opinion, the teacher has professional judgment, which I think we need to keep in mind and carries a lot of weight, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're the one working with the student. They know that student. They, they're the ones that are intimate with the, the, the evidence that the student has provided. They're reading it. They're grading it. They're seeing it. They're in class with them, right? They're having interactions with them. So they're closer to that content. I think that the teacher in the preponderance of evidence of what the student has provided in the assessments and the work. The teacher can then 
apply an appropriate grade that would indicate where that student is mm. and can override the mathematic calculations that are distorted. Yeah. So even working in a 100% system, if I were, if I were an uh, administrator, I would tell my teachers, use professional judgment. So let's say, for example, you have a semester, um, a midterm test. Big test covers a lot of the content, and it's a sampling of it, but it's a big one. It's a big part of the grade. And leading up to it, a teacher has chosen to include grades from assignments. And let's say a student has missed three or four assignments and got zeros, and it's distorting the grade. But then they take the assessment. The student does really well on the assessment. And the questions about the content that were on the assignments that the student received zeros, they get right. Mm. So they learned it along the way somewhere. It's just that the teacher didn't have the evidence of it at that time. But by the time you take the final instrument, use the final instrument, the thing that we're going to say, okay, do you got it? This is the end of learning. You're supposed to have it. You should be here. Let's do that check. This is what's going to give us that indicator of where you are in your learning at the end of learning. This will determine it. And they take it and they get it. Well, that's the evidence that they've learned it. So why should they still be penalized for a couple of things that they missed along the way? Yeah, that's, you see? They, these all fit together, and this fits perfectly with the episode we recently did on um, getting them to complete ungraded assignments. Yes. So these are essentially assignments that are graded, but would fall into those what should be ungraded assignments that go into the assessments. Is that somewhat accurate? Yeah, that relationship yeah. of, you know, if we're giving kids work to do, it better have something to do not only with the standards, but it's a matter of practice that supports them to get yeah. some get ready for yeah. when when the time comes for them to demonstrate that they've got it. I love that. Now, I, I stopped you a little bit before. Is there anything else you want to say about the the I, the incomplete? Because that'd be pretty new um, for most people. Yeah, that's one solution to do, deal with it. Then you'd still have the issue at the end of the school year, what you do with calculations, and it depends where the district is in their overall policy. Uh, the other way to get around it is you do go to a four-point scale where each level mm. is then equal. Um, and, and what would happen in that uh, kind of 4.0 scale is some want to just transfer the 100% scale over to a four point. So if you're in that six year below, then you're you're at a one. Mm -hmm. But you still have to define what you mean by one, two, three, four, yeah. right? Um, but one way to do that is to move to a four point scale and teach your students that, yeah, we're you're in A, B, C, D. Uh, e's not failure is not an option here. It's not an option. You can't fail. You're, you're gonna you will at least earn or give me enough evidence of your learning that you'll be at the, um, you would say the lowest level of criteria. You've learned yeah. something within the course. You haven't mastered it, but you're there. So we kind of given them the D, but failure is not an option. That would be one, a teacher could move in that direction mm -hmm. um, of in their classroom, they could kind of have that 4.0 scale, but it's kind of a hybrid to help parents in this day and age who are coming from still the embedded 100% scale of kind of bringing those together and get a workable solution. So you kind of eliminate that idea of um, the zero's impact. So mm. using a 4.0 scale would be one approach to that. Yeah, and that eliminates a lot of, um, you know, I was always told on the 100% scale that like 80 is good and the C at 70 is average, but you're saying that, you know, over half of this grade scale or on the 4.0 even, like if you're average or slightly below average to the standards, you're in like a one or a two. Right, so it's it gets confusing, especially when you know that one isn't 
failing. So I, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to describe that better, but it, it just seems like there's something there that, that zeros aren't integrating uh, properly or appropriately, which is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it distorts <laughs> mathematics of it, that because yeah. of what zeros do in mathematics, it distorts how that scale indicates academic achievement. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the biggest problem with zeros. The related issues we've talked about, and you have to come up with solutions with those. And sometimes it's challenging for educators to make that adjustment because the default it's easier. Nope, you got a zero. You didn't do it. Zero. Yeah. And you move on to the next thing. But we're really trying to, you know, here at MIPS, we're we're about learning, and we're about the the student and them as an individual, and whatever they bring to the table as an individual. So we f- we try to focus on that as much as we can. So they meet, they all need have different needs. So if we were really focusing on learning, then it's we it takes a little extra work to make adjustments so we get them to perform academically. And they're not penalized for practice, and they're not penalized for extenuous things that might be behaviorally related, it might be family issue related, um, and that the indicator, the grade that they get, really tells us where they are academically. That's what we're striving for. Love that. So we ex- explained what we mean by zeros. We uh, talked about the issues that are with it, and you explained some solutions. Is there anything else about zeros that you want us want us to know? Uh there are some related issues that we could get into in detail, but that's a good foundational piece. One that will help is uh, we've talked about having another podcast uh, talking about behavior. What do we do with mm-hmm. behavior then? You know, because right now we're trying to use that as a leverage point for um, getting students to behave. And well, if you don't get it, if you don't do the assignment, you get a zero, and it's going to impact your grade. Now, what do we do about that? Yeah, and there is a solution to that. That's a related issue we'll talk about next time. I love that. Well, Roy, thank you so much for explaining zeros to us. And we'll get that other podcast out too, because they all fit together so perfectly um, in what we call effective grading practices. So it's almost like you hear one, you want to or should hear them all, right? But that's right. Thank you for for taking the time to do this and explaining it for us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Reimagining Education is brought to you by Michigan International Prep School. If you'd like to learn more about us and what we do, head to our website at miprepschool.org. That's miprepschool.org. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We will talk to you soon.